All right, Beige. I admit this is week three of me not wearing makeup. So what of it, miss? Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Unbothered by Ty Rivera. That's right, it's Unbothered by Ty Rivera. I'm your host, Ty Rivera, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. In case anybody's wondering, my co-host, Snoopy Bijou, has started to refuse to eat Whimsy's alligators. I don't know why she has started to refuse to eat Whimsy's alligators, but that's what it is. That's what is happening here at Casa de Bijou. And if you didn't know, Bijou runs the show around here, so I don't really have much to say about it. It's just kind of she does what she does. Carla's homemade salsa, still in love with Carla's homemade salsa, been leaning on it more than ever. If you guys didn't know... I have been really good about my diet lately if you haven't been following me on Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, well, that's your problem. But it's at official Ty Rivera is what it is on Instagram. If you decide you want to follow. If you decide you don't want to follow, that's on you. Like I said, I don't, I'm not trying to force you guys to do anything. Uh, as far as Whimsy's alligators go, though, I don't know when Bijou is going to fall back into love with them or if she's going to fall back into love with them. Lately, she'll want one or she'll pretend like she wants one. And then when I give it to her, she'll just take it to her bed and not really fucks with it as they would say on the streets i don't know which streets they say that on but they do say it on the streets um i will tell you guys this i have really started to think about what all has been going on in my life lately and if you guys didn't know what my regular strategy is for the people that aren't the most familiar with unbothered by tyra vera or the way that Ty Rivera works talking about myself in third person for maximum douchebaggery but if you guys didn't know the way that it works what happens is I will often be very reflective about the things that actually happen in my life and I try to take signs as signs from God because I feel like everything that happens happens because God chose it to happen. And so even when I have these run-ins with people that I don't think are the best for me in the end, I feel like they're all tools of our Lord. And this isn't going to be like a religious heavy. So if you're worried about that, well, if you're worried about it, tune out. Nobody's making you watch this right now. But if you're a friend of mine and you're like, I hope he doesn't go all gaudy on us. I'm not going to at all. I just every once in a while I'll let you guys know the way that I think about things so that everybody has a better understanding of where I'm at. And like I've realized more and more that I waste time hanging out with people that I really shouldn't necessarily be hanging out with or paying attention to because a lot of people don't take things seriously. And I know that I will come off as a good times gal every once in a while. If you're following me on Facebook lately, you know I've been messing around with a lot of guys, but it's Pride Month and I feel like it's my responsibility as a gay man to be as promiscuous as possible during the month of June because what else would I do to celebrate Pride? There aren't actual Pride events happening in Las Vegas right now. Well, there was one in Henderson, but from what I heard or read online, that was quite a debacle, so I'm not really sure what's going on with that. Then uh, I have a friend that's been putting on some events, and I have a friend that's about to buy a bar, Kitty Litter. Well, I don't know if I'm really supposed to talk about it or not. Anyway, Kitty Litter is in, uh, in the process of possibly buying a bar. And I don't know if you guys remember her. She's one of the performers that performed on Laughed Out. She's a drag queen that's been on the Vegas scene forever. I want to say 20 years or so she's been on the Vegas scene. And we became friends. I don't remember exactly how that friendship developed. All I know is that at some point we became friends and then I had her do the Laughed Out Comedy Festival and she had a lot of fun doing it and then she started to pursue stand-up at least a little bit. But uh, anyway, so what's happening lately is I just realized that a lot of people aren't very serious about the things that they say they're serious about. And when it comes to me 
like if you can't tell by the way that I work out or by the way that I'll go on my YouTube sprees every once in a while or by the way that I watch my diet or by the way that I do stand up. Like when I decide to do something, I fully commit to it. And that's the only way that things work out for me is because I do fully commit to things. And so sometimes people will think that I'm a little bit crazy because of the way that I'll watch my diet or because I'll miss a lot of events because I'm at the gym instead of hanging out with friends. But for me, that's the only way to do things because otherwise, why am I wasting time? Like I'm not getting any younger. So when it comes to the things I want to do with my body, I feel like now is the time to work. But I also don't subscribe to the way that a lot of people think where a lot of people are like, oh, I'm over 30, so I can't do this or my metabolism has slowed down to this point. All of that stuff I don't believe in. And that's the reason, like I told you guys, that I don't talk about my age all the time. Because once you start talking about your age, people will start telling you the way that your body's supposed to react to certain things. And in a lot of cases, those people are wrong. You know, my body is great right now and it responds to everything that I do. When it comes to the diet, when it comes to the working out, it really does respond well and quickly to the things that I do. So I refuse to buy into the fact that because age is supposed to be a factor and one of the most important factors when it comes to a lot of these things, that suddenly now I'm not capable of doing certain things or my body isn't capable of doing certain things. And it's the same with stand-up. A lot of people will say that they're serious about doing stand-up and they really want to do it. And then when it comes down to it, they really don't because stand-up is a thankless job in a lot of ways. And I've told you guys before, but I'll repeat it. The trajectory of stand-up really is you start off, you spend money. You do not make money at the beginning of doing stand-up comedy. It's not like a regular job where you go in, you get hired, and now you're starting to make money. That's not the way stand-up works. Initially, it's all investment. It's all you putting your money into showing up at open mics. Some open mics you have to pay for. A lot of the ones here in Vegas, I'll say that on the good side, you don't have to pay for them. But then in a lot of cases, you will end up paying for it in the way that you'll be hungry when you're out, so you need to eat. Then some people like to drink at the mics. And so you will actually spend money when you're first starting to do stand-up. Then after you go on the road, You'll continue to lose money on the road at the beginning unless you're some kind of YouTube sensation or social media famous type thing in influencer. You know, then you can make money if you build your own following before anything actually really pops off for you in the stand up way. But most people, that's not the reality of what's going to happen. So people will uh, lose money when they first go on the road. Then you move on to breaking even and then you stay breaking even for a little while, do some gigs at those rates. And then you get to the point where you actually make a little bit of money. Then you move on to actually working in stand up. And that's the way it works. And for a long time, when you're doing stand up, you probably will have some other source of income. That's just the way that it works when it comes to stand up. Most comics do. I always tell comics not to worry about having a day job or feel any shame about that. It's just a part of the process. And you should do that for as long as you have to in order to continue to be able to work on your stand up. So when it comes to people committing to stand up, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And you'll get these people that'll be in for four or five years, sometimes even as long as 10 years. And then they just realize, oh, this doesn't actually go anywhere. This is taking forever for me to get to where I want to get to with it. And I'm not all of a sudden famous. I don't suddenly have the networks hitting me up about sitcoms. And that's the way stand-up works. Sometimes people will try to talk reckless about me when it comes to stand-up, but if you look at the way my stand-up career has worked out, technically I've had very good results. And people will bring up, like, you know, why aren't you bigger? Well, I had several chances to sell out, and I chose not to because the original way that I was asked to sell out was to not mention that I was gay. This was when I first started in 2003, um, I was asked to not mention that I was gay and told that I would do better if I didn't mention that because gay wasn't very popular at the time, or at least not as mainstream popular as it is now. And we certainly didn't have the level of support that we do now when it comes to mainstream corporations in general, social media, all that stuff. And so people had told me that I should not mention that I was gay. 
And I was like, well, that's not really an option because in my stand-up, I talk about my life. So what am I going to do? Talk about my girlfriend? Talk about my wife? I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a wife. I'm a gay man. So I chose not to do that. Then there was a point where I was told that I wasn't gay enough because I don't subscribe or play to the stereotypes. I don't even fit the stereotypes in that when you talk to me, I'm not that yes, queen and girl this and girl that and... This mic is bothering me the way it's... Let me adjust that. Okay, that looks a little better. Anyway. So then I was kind of asked to gay it up, and I've told that story before about when I went in for a general meeting at E! Entertainment Television, and they were disappointed because I told them that I didn't really care about fashion and I wasn't a stereotypical gay, and they got very disinterested very quickly. So that's something that happened. Then there was the point where people, because I had voted for Donald Trump, wanted me to go like the hardcore right wing gay. But that wasn't true to the person that I am either, because when you go that way, then you have to agree with everything that the right says. And I don't necessarily agree with everything that the right says. Technically, I tend to be more in the middle, which bothers some people because people want me to commit one way or the other. But my thinking is always changing and I'm not going to pretend that I feel a particular way about everything when I don't necessarily feel that way. In a lot of cases, when it comes to me, I can see both sides of a lot of different situations because I am an LGBT person of color. And so sometimes when people on the left say certain things, I'm like, yeah, there is some truth to that. And then sometimes people on the right will say certain things and I'm like, yeah, well, I can definitely see that too. So what am I supposed to do? Just pick one side and constantly go with that side just because that's what I'm told I'm supposed to do and that's because and that's where I'm making my money. So I chose not to sell out in that way either. And so now I, I'm very happy with the way that things have progressed for me when it comes to stand-up because I'm not necessarily beholden to the gay community in the way that I don't have to say everything they want me to say either. I don't want to ever be in that position where I have to constantly say things that I'm quote unquote supposed to say and take stances that aren't necessarily true to the person that I am. So if things take a little bit longer or continue to take a little bit longer because of that, that's not something that concerns me. The fact of the matter is I go on the road probably more than I want to in a lot of cases. And that's why I was really excited about the residency. The residency did fall through. There aren't a lot of like, you know, there's no salacious story there. What happened was the Thunderbird still controls the room that I perform in. My deal was with Chanclas. Chanclas had come to agreement with me. And then the Thunderbird told them that they might want to charge more for the room than they were charging Chanclas or originally. Because remember, it was a situation where me and Ralph had put up the money for the room. And then when Chanclas decided that they were interested in my show because they were impressed with what I did and the amount of people that came out to my show. So thank you to everybody that showed up to the show is because you really did help me in that way. And I didn't know that Chanclas was going to want to talk to me after that. I thought, okay, I'm just going to do these shows and bang this weekend out like I'm supposed to and have the best results I can possibly have and do my taping and be able to make good on the things I told people when it came to the streaming. I wasn't able to do the streaming like I've already discussed, but I did go ahead and put out the link for everybody to see that. If they had paid for the streaming, they could see one of the shows. And I chose one of the shows that wasn't necessarily the cleanest. And when I say the cleanest, I was getting heckled and I was dealing with that. And there were so many things that were in my head during that show that particular show that I thought that that was a more accurate representation of an actual show than say the Friday early show because I chose the Saturday early show because that was a pretty rowdy show if you didn't see the link then you know you don't know but it was pretty rowdy and so um I chose that one instead of the Friday early show because I was like yeah this one went pretty much according to plan but that's not what I wanted to show people I wanted to show people what the live experience was like we didn't get the sound quite right when it came to 
uh, miking the audience, so it sounded lower than I wanted to sound as far as the audience went. But if you were there that night, you know it was a great performance. It was a great show. There were great reactions from the audience. But I had so much going on in my head because that's one thing that happens when you not only perform in the show but you produce it as well and you're in charge of everything then you have a lot on your mind because there are so many moving parts even doing in you know doing four shows over the weekend so chanclas was impressed and they wanted to talk to me about possibly doing something more on the regular and we had come to a full agreement this time i didn't jump the gun in any way it's just the agreement got changed from Thunderbird to Chanclas, and so we weren't actually able to do the shows. But it was very amicable, and there wasn't any kind of argument or anything like that. It was just kind of like, this is the reality of it. And I was, you know, of course, I do understand business, so I'm not going to get mad at people or act like there's something to be angry about when it's just in some cases, circumstances that are beyond the control of any of the people that are involved with the actual show, which in this case would be me and Chanclas. And so I'm not really disappointed in that either because the more I live life and the more I see the way that my life plays out, the more I just feel comfortable with things happening the way that they're supposed to happen. You know, it's like that saying, and not to go back to God again, but we're going to go back to God again, all right? God plays a big part in my life, and that's just something people have to come to terms with. And I know that people don't usually associate gays with thinking about God, but I'm a person that's relied on God probably more than most people do. And I've prayed since I was a young kid, and it's just God's always been a part of my life. But it's like that saying, you know, whenever God closes a door, he opens a window. That that's the way I see things. So for right now, I'm not I'm not worried about anything. Like really, life's pretty great. I get to wake up when I want to wake up. I don't have anything to promote right now, so I don't have to worry about that. There's nothing. I mean, like I can fully concentrate on what I'm doing with my body right now. Me and Bijou are having a good time. We're not hurting for anything. I mean, things are going well. So even though some people would see that as like, oh, this must be such a strike to you. It's kind of like, no, not really. It's just life is life. And I've learned to roll with things. And I'm very comfortable with what's happening right now because I realize that there are certain things I need to concentrate on like writing and like actually making sure that my set's as tight as I want it to be because I had talked about this before and I had a deal uh, with a label uh, actually a big label a really well-known label that um, wanted to record my album back when the shutdown first started. I think we were supposed to do it April 5th and 6th or April 4th and 5th, whatever that Friday and Saturday was of that, you know, that week in April of 2020. But we didn't end up getting to do it because obviously the shutdown happened late, mid to late March. I think March 17th was when everything really shut down, March 16th, March 17th, right around there. So one month before, and I wasn't able to record my album. Well, I hit up that label a little bit into the shutdown and was just like, can we possibly dissolve my contract or, you know, just go ahead and put my contract to the side? Thankfully, they were very good about that and they were very accommodating with me and they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, yeah, maybe we'll do something in the future. But I don't know if that's what I want to do either. But the fact is that offer is still on the table and I know... If I want to do it, I can hit them up and do it. Then there was a second company that hit me up, a second label that hit me up because they want me to do a clean album, which is something that I might be open to. But that offer is still on the table, too. So I feel like anytime I want to do something, I can actually do it. And I don't know that a lot of people that are in my same industry, especially in this particular city, understand that these this is the way my life works. If you hear shuffling in the background, that's Bijou throwing her bed around inside her house, which I don't know why she's doing that, but she's pretty free to do whatever she wants. Um, this little dog really runs the show around here. There's certain uh, aspects that I run the show in 
when I say certain aspects, I mean little to nothing because this is more Bijou's house than my house. I've always said that people don't understand it. But the thing is, Bijou spends more time here than I do when I'm out going to the gym, hooking up with guys, doing comedy, stuff like that. Bijou is holding down the fort. So I'm not going to come in here and be like, Bijou, this is what we're going to do. Every once in a while, I'll do a BG. This is what we're going to do. Like when it comes to her toys that are everywhere right now, ugh, that's a problem we always have. But then also I was talking to a friend about that. When I lived alone and I didn't have Bijou, which was forever ago now, I've had Bijou for seven and a half years, eight years. Um, yeah, eight years now. We just passed eight years. And um, when I lived alone... And I didn't have Bijou. That was the one thing I didn't like about living alone. Because I didn't mind living alone. I don't get lonely the same way a lot of people do. I personally have always had people want to hang out with me. To my detriment. Because I can't help it. I'm just fun to be around. And so... Ever since I was young, you know, people were always wanting to hang out with me. And I remember that I would sometimes hide and tell my mom to answer the door or ask my mom to answer the phone and say that I wasn't there. Like that was when I was young because people have always liked hanging out with me. And I've always been a little bit less of a fan of people. And when it comes to even the phone, I hate talking on the phone. You know, I'll do it every once in a while. My best friend, East Coast bestie, Renee, she gets me on the phone probably once a week. And when I say she gets me on the phone, it's not one-sided like that. I will call Renee too. Renee is somebody I truly do enjoy talking to. And I don't know why I developed this friendship with Renee where I just like her so much. But I really do love Renee, even though she gets on my nerves and she knows it. But I get on her nerves, too, and I know it. So it is what it is. And when that happens, we'll take a quick break and we'll just be like, all right, let's put this on ice for a minute. Neither of us says it. It just happens for a little while. But, you know, it's like everything for me is really good. And I like what I was saying about the people in my industry, especially in this particular city, is they have this idea of me that if I'm not doing things, that that means things have gone stagnant. And it's like, no, sometimes you just need to collect yourself and really think about what it is you want to do when you have so many options. Like I could be on the road all the time if I wanted to. But like I said, I'm already on the road sometimes more than I want to be. Like if you paid attention to the last two, two and a half months now, there was a month and a half in there where it was pretty solid every weekend I was somewhere and then last week I had planned to kind of take the week off and then I ended up getting hit up by Ron to do that show at the brewery comedy tour and I had done that with Fugs which was in Lake Havasu and that was really fun I took Claire Hawley and Ryan Barasa with me on that one and then I had Ryan Barasa because I got hit hit up last minute to do the brewery comedy tour show the well that was one of the winery shows that was at Vegas Valley Winery and I hadn't been there in a couple of years but I'm very familiar with that room and I like the staff there so I I was quick to say yes that I would do it and so I had Ryan do that with me but I always have a lot of options and I don't think because a lot of people aren't really familiar with that being their reality because the truth is a lot of people aren't as talented as I am. So as much as people like to talk shit about me and there was one situation where this person that I said wasn't funny not too long ago, like said that I wasn't funny and it's like, well, you don't even understand how funny works because the thing is, I say that you're not funny because audiences don't really laugh at your stuff. You say that you think I'm not funny because you think that I insulted you and now that's your way of getting back at me as saying that I'm not funny. But audiences don't agree with you and that's why I can work anytime I want to work. I could set up something right now if I wanted to, my own thing. And so it's not really the, the reality for a lot of these people. So I get it when they don't get it because it's like, yeah, this will never be your reality. My personal situation right now will never be your personal situation. And as much as people like to make it seem like I burnt bridges, really the only bridges that I burnt, which I've already told you guys, these aren't bridges. They don't matter, these people. But Really, when it comes to actual industry and people that are in the business of show business and stand up in particular, 
I have great relationships with those people. So I haven't burnt any bridges. Technically, they laugh at a lot of the stuff that I do because they're just like, you're always handing somebody's ass to them. And it's like, that's not even my intention. It's not like I want to hand people's asses to them. It's not like I want to be getting in arguments with people. It's just if you look at the things that I've gotten into it with people over, they've been valid reasons. Like there's nothing worse or nothing more frowned upon in our industry when it comes to comedians than comedians stealing other comedians jokes so when i brought that up and people acted like that was drama it's like i don't think you know what drama is when somebody backs out on a deal that you are both potentially going to be on the hook for a lot of money for that again is something that of course that you would bring up and something that would bother you and yeah i didn't talk about it right away because i was just going to let it go but i saw that person online doing a, a facebook live where they were making it seem like I'm just going to tell you guys the truth about what happened. And they weren't being honest about the way that things went down. And that really did bother me. And I know I need to stop looking for truth from a lot of these people because a lot of people aren't ready to do that for themselves. Like me, even when I, cause I'm always completely on my side because I know that in the moment that I'm always making the right decision for that moment, because I see all of the factors that are around me and I, will try to adjust myself to make sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to go. So I'm not a person that at all doesn't learn from my mistakes or learn from what it is I'm doing, but I always feel like I'm making the right decision for in that moment. But then afterwards, I'll think and I'll kind of retrace my steps and then I'll be like, okay, well, what were the red flags that you could have seen? What were the things that you maybe didn't want to see? What were the things that you didn't pay attention to? Or in some cases, didn't want to pay attention to? Because we all have that. You know, we all have where we want things to be a certain way. And sometimes you want them to be a certain way so badly that you'll actually look the other way with certain things. Like that happens a lot of times in personal relationships and dating relationships where you'll notice certain things about your partner that could serve as red flags, but instead because you want to be in love or because you don't want to upset the apple cart, you'll pretend that you didn't notice that that was happening or that was a thing. And at that point, you are kind of to blame. And I know people would call all of this victim blaming, but sometimes if you're the victim, you've got to blame the victim because otherwise, how are you going to learn? Because the world isn't going to learn. Well, in most instance, instances, the world isn't just going to turn into a better place. So what you have to do is make sure that you safeguard yourself in different ways. But at the same time, you don't want to build up walls to where now you don't trust people or you can't make friends or you can't enjoy life because you're always feeling like somebody's going to fuck you over. And that's something that I really have struggled with, especially lately. And now I'm back in a good place again. But there were a couple of days there where I just felt like, who can I trust really? Because a lot of people that, and I'm not trying to sound victim-y or anything like that, but I'm just letting you guys know what my th thought process has been through a lot of this. A lot of people that I liked, trusted, have helped in different ways, have turned their backs on me recently. And this isn't something that would usually bother me because, like I said, I don't really worry about people that way. But when people don't understand that my friendships are genuine because I there aren't a lot of things that the people that I've hung out with, especially in this particular city, can do for me. So it's not like there's any ulterior motive for me where I'm thinking this person's going to do this particular thing for me, like I scratch your back, you scratch my back mind sort of thinking like that isn't my mentality with anything in this city that wasn't my mentality when I was in LA which is a city that's littered with people that can actually do stuff for you like there were people that did stuff for me and I was very fortunate that I had the help that I had some of the people that have helped me out in my past I've talked about you know Joe Coy Gabriel Iglesias Russell Peters Jen Cobra at a point, even though that went sour, but that wasn't my fault. Like, that's the other thing is people will make it seem like everything's my fault. Like everything that's ever gone wrong has been in some way attributable to something that I've done. But that's not always the case. In some cases, especially when I was first starting out, 
I was so eager and willing to do whatever it took for me to get where it is I need to go outside of having sex with people because that's one thing I was talking about not too long ago was the, the I've talked about it here before but the sexual harassment that happened to me and there was only one person that truly sexually harassed me in this business the only one person and I'm not going to say the name just because I said it before and it doesn't really matter and people always treat it like I'm just being dramatic when I bring this up but you have to understand that I was a sex worker and I'm a very well-adjusted gay man at this point when it comes to sexuality. I don't have a lot of hangups when it comes to that. But my thing is, if you can make me uncomfortable with your advances, then that really is a problem because I'm not a person who is very sensitive to that. My straight friends have always joked with me in sexual ways. And sometimes I joke back with them in sexual ways. A lot of times I like to keep it out of that just because I don't really like to confuse those two things or have people wonder whether or not I'm being serious with them because I never am. But there are certain friends that I joke that way with every once in a while. And so I'm not hypersensitive to that or the kind of person that's just going to take that as a negative thing on its face. But when you won't stop and I know that you're serious, then that does become a thing. But then at the same time, especially back then, I really didn't want to make any waves and I didn't want to get in trouble. And this person is much further along, has been doing stand up for much longer than I have. I want to say they've been doing stand up for 40 years at this point, maybe even longer than that. And so they're significantly older than me. And they started, you know, back when they were pretending to be straight and that kind of thing. And so I um, I really am not the person that's sensitive to that stuff and I had to let it go because I didn't want to make waves for myself but then as I started to progress more and more and that person had shifted from sexually harassing me to now trying to be like use me as a resource because I was doing more stuff than they were and so they wanted to where are you getting booked and how who's the booker for that particular thing and I felt like you know, I tried to be nice about it for a while, but then there was a point where I got like, look, we're not friends. Like, I don't appreciate the fact that you used to sexually harass me. And yeah, you may not look at it that way, but that's what it was. And it made certain experiences that were supposed to be good experiences, supposed to be highlights to my career, especially in the beginning, it made them absolutely miserable. This person was a part of the first taping I ever did, which was for uh, One Night Stand Up Logo Network. And during that taping, I kept disappearing. And the reason I kept disappearing was because that person was harassing me the entire day. So I just kept hiding from them because... It was such a miserable experience. And like I said, I couldn't tell anybody because I didn't want to get in trouble and I didn't want to be considered a headache on the set of the first, you know, real stand up performance that I was ever doing. So I just kept it to myself. But then, you know, you keep things to yourself and they fester and then eventually they bother you. And I know that instances like that are what led me to being the person that I am when it comes to the fact that I will call out a problem in a lot of cases as soon as it's happening because I feel like that's the best time for me personally to call it out. When people choose not to do that, I get it. But at the same time, I feel like they're leaving a lot of people out there and exposed that may be weaker than they are or maybe not as well equipped to deal with that on their own. You know, there's other people that were sexually harassed by the same person, other comics that were new and gay around the same time I was or um, well, not around the same time I was, especially in the beginning, because I did kind of pioneer that, especially in the city of L.A. But never get credit for that because people don't like that I voted for Donald Trump. And that's one thing that gets on my nerves sometimes is people will conflate the two and be like, well, you couldn't have been that groundbreaking and gay because you ended up supporting Donald Trump. No, you could be both. And I know because I was both. I am both. Like, that's just what it is. Like, even now, I help out the gay community a lot. That's why I don't feel like I owe them anything because I've done more for the gay community than the gay community has done for me. And that's just a matter of fact. Yeah, I'm gay and I'm out. So I guess you could say the gay community has offered me gay bars. 
the gay community has definitely made its own strides in different ways. But as far as the road that I've been the trailblazer on, I've helped out a lot of young LGBT and not just gay. When I say LGBT, I mean all the way across the board, even with Laughed Out. Like that was the first ever queer comedy festival in all of Nevada. That was the first one in history. I was the creator. I was the person who came from my brain. And so, you know, like that's how Laughed Out Comedy Festival actually started. So I don't feel like, you know, I owe a lot of people. But then when it comes to the people that chose not to speak up, that does bother me sometimes because I'm like, you guys have all seen me getting fried and getting treated like I'm just being dramatic and getting told that the sexual harassment didn't happen. But then privately, you all will admit that you went through the same thing with the same person and that they were relentless with you as well, except for you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to make waves. And I get it. But then when I see you acting like activist on other levels, I'm like, no, when you had a chance to speak up, when you have your personal experience that you went through that was the same as mine and you saw somebody getting crucified for it, you chose to say nothing about it. So I can't really take you seriously as any kind of revolutionary or as any kind of activist because when you had a chance to actually do that, you didn't do it for two reasons. One, because you didn't want to make waves. And two, because I was not the most popular with the LGBT movement at that particular time. And some of the things the LGBT movement has gotten mad at me about or the activists in the LGBT movement have gotten mad at me about were just me expressing a different side of being gay. But how could you not think that I would express a different side of being gay? I came up in gay being young, gay, and Latino. And a lot of them came up in gay being young, gay, and white. And in some cases, a lot of them didn't even go through the young part because when I came out at 17 years old, 16 years old, at those times, uh, that was like very young. Like now you have kids coming out at nine years old, five years old, you hear about, which I don't question that at all. I know some people get like, well, how can a kid know at five years old that they're gay? Well, the same way that a lot of you knew that you were straight at five years old. Like, yeah, maybe you didn't know you wanted to, you know, have sex with little girls or little boys, whatever it was that you were attracted to. I don't know who all is listening right now, but you know, like when you were a young kid, you knew that something felt right, you know, like for what you were attracted to. Well, it's the same with being gay, except for we were told that we were wrong during that time. So when you were a young kid and you developed crushes on the opposite sex, that's when a lot of us gay people were developing crushes on people that were of the same sex. And so that's why I don't find it all hard to believe that young kids know that they're gay because you just know what you're attracted to or what makes you feel something. And yeah, you haven't gone through puberty yet. So it's not, like I said, it's not sexual feelings, but you're just like, oh yeah, that's what I like. That's what makes me feel safe. That's what makes me feel comfortable. That's what makes me feel the little butterflies that you get when you're young. And so I don't question people on that. When it comes to trans, I've been very clear about where I'm at with that, even though people don't always understand that. And I'm going to do a video about the Miss, uh, Miss Nevada USA being a trans woman, in case you guys didn't hear Sunday night, the latest Miss Nevada USA was crowned and it's the first time in history that a trans woman has ever been crowned Miss USA, you know, for a particular state. And it, I think it couldn't be more perfect and more on brand that it was Nevada. But uh, we'll talk about that, like I said, in a video probably put out on Thursday. I'll probably put that video out because I think it is important to talk about. But when it comes to, you know, kids getting life-changing operations and starting to take hormone blockers and stuff like that, I think that could be held off on. And I know that that's for some people still a controversial stance, but to me, it's really not. To me, I feel like if your child wants to or says that they identify as the opposite sex or they feel like, you know, maybe gender dysphoria is a thing for them, 
then definitely take them to a therapist and not a therapist to fix them, but so that they can talk that out and, you know, see if that's actually what's going on for them um, and have a place to voice that with somebody that's more experienced than maybe you are as a parent because this is your first time dealing with it as a parent when it comes to these counselors and psychiatrists, psychologists, maybe they have a little bit more experience with that. Well, in a lot of cases, if you go to one that specializes in that, they do have more experience in that. In that. So it's just a place for the kid to go and go ahead and talk this out. And like I said, not at all to fix them, not at all to change them, just somebody to help them sort it out. And I feel like a good parent, even though they won't allow for surgeries and hormone blockers will allow their child to express themselves the way that they want to. So if your child wants to dress in women's clothes or dress in men's clothes, depending on what they are, you know, the opposite, um, what, what, the, what it is they feel is the most authentic expression of what they are. I think that there's nothing wrong with that because if it does turn out to be a phase, that's just getting rid of those clothes. And in some cases keeping those clothes because boys and girls can wear the same clothes. Like I will sometimes wear, uh, a a shirt, a blouse that was actually intended for a woman, but it just happens to fit my body perfectly. And I'm like, I don't really subscribe to gender in that way where I feel like, well, because you wore a girl shirt, now that means you want to be a girl. I want a Utila kilt, but they're so expensive. And I should just bite the bullet and buy one, but I don't feel like that's the smartest use of my money right now. So I'm not buying a Utila kilt, but I do want a Utila kilt because I really like the way they look. And to me, they look completely masculine and completely manly. You know, kilts were designed for men. So it's not like, you know, you're cross-dressing at that point or anything like that. But like I said, I don't really subscribe to that as far as like in order to be a particular gender or to be, you know, your gender or to live as your gender that you have to avoid wearing certain clothes or doing certain things. I don't believe that to be the case at all. Lately, I'll tell you a funny thing about me and like gender roles and masculinity versus femininity is so many people think that I'm either down low or straight like you know when it comes to me hooking up with guys on grinder i get that question so often where people will ask me if i'm down low or if i'm straight or if i'm actually out as gay and that's so foreign to me because i know exactly how gay i am in my brain and so i'm just like you know no, I'm not down low and I'm not straight. I'm definitely a gay man. But it did come in handy today. There was this guy that was harassing me and I was on the phone with the East Coast bestie. See, I told you guys, I sometimes will be on the phone and especially with Renee. So I was on the phone with Renee and I was walking home, you know, well, I had just walked Bijou and the way that this day worked out because yesterday I was up till 9 p.m. or I didn't wake up till 9 p.m. And so my schedule was completely flipped, which is another thing I'm not at all worried about right now because I don't have any place to be and I can do things just as effectively, even more so because I don't have to deal with any kind of traffic or a lot of people being the places that I want to be or the machines that I want to use at the gym being uh, being taken. And so, you know, but anyway, me and Bijou, our walk ended up happening at like 7 a.m. or maybe it was like 6 a.m., but the sun was out and stuff like that. And I was talking to Renee on the phone and then this guy walks up to me and he was like, uh, looked kind of homeless, you know, or homeless adjacent. And uh, he was like, I like your tattoos. You have really nice tattoos. And I was like, thank you. And then he was like, um, you have a really nice body, too, because I didn't have my shirt on, which is just normal the way that I am. And so I was like, thank you. And then he was like, he walks a little bit further ahead of me. And then he's like, I bet you've got a big fat dick, too. Literally, this is what he said. And so I was like. I do, <laughs> which I guess I probably should have said something else. But like, you know, I just was like, it was so ridiculous to me that I just, <laughs> that was my answer. And then he was like, do you think I could see it sometime? And I was like, I, I did give a ha ha at that point. I was like, ha, no, uh, I was like, probably not. And then he was like, 
he was like, um, he was like, yeah, but you know, I bet you have a big fat dick. And I was like, okay, I heard you say that already. And then he was like, I didn't hear you. And I was like, I said, I heard you say that already. And then he was like, he was like, yeah, but, and then I was like, yeah, I'm on the phone right now with my friend and I'm just trying to walk my dog. So, you know, that's what I'd like to do right now is just continue doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then he tried to continue to talk to me and I was just like, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not interested, you know? And then he was like, are you straight? And then bing, the light bulb went off for me. And I was like, yes, I'm straight. And then he was like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, no disrespect. And I was like, don't worry about it. But I just kept walking at that point. But it got really uncomfortable for a second there, you know, because there were several things going through my head. He seemed a little bit off and like he might possibly get aggressive. And, you know, I'm too old to be out in these streets fighting. I'd really rather not have to do anything like that. So I was trying to keep a distance then I saw him at a point look at my phone when I said that I was talking to my friend on the phone and you know I didn't know like the way he looked at it was almost like like he was gonna lunge for it and again it's like I can't let anybody take my phone but at the same time I don't want to be fighting out in these streets that's not what I'm doing and I do live in the kind of neighborhood where you know it's not the most far-fetched thing to think somebody would try to rob you or that you'll end up getting in a fight with a stranger in this neighborhood. I have had no incidents like that. Uh, and this was the worst one that I've had here because for the most part, people leave me alone. Somebody spread a rumor at one point that I was an MMA fighter. I guess because I always walk around shirtless and I have a lot of tattoos. But that was something that happened a while back. And so um, there was this one particular corner where these people hang out. And they're cool and everything like that. But one time I was walking Bijou and uh, this guy was like, hey, man, when's your next fight? And then I just like smiled and I kept walking, you know, me and Bijou kept walking. Because like that's not a bad question or whatever, you know, and I don't mind i often get mistaken for a boxer like that's been happening to me since i was in la because i have the lean build and you know like the the way that i am i get mistaken for a boxer so um when i was in la that would happen all the time but this is the first time somebody just outright just asked me when my next fight was and i just smiled and you know like i said kept walking with bijou and then right after the guy asked me then the lady next to him was like he's a fighter and then the guy's like yeah he's a fighter and then she was like where does he fight and then the guy's like mma he's ufc and then i was just like in my head because you know i had already walked past them and i had bijou and just like you know i was smiling and in my head i was like well in this neighborhood that's not the worst thing to have people think because then people don't mess with you and so you know i'm pretty used to like that reputation in this neighborhood and i don't do anything to dissuade it if you think i'm an mma mma fighter ufc fighter that's what i am in your head and that's what i'll be and so um but yeah i don't have a lot of problems in this neighborhood i only had one incident that was weird in when i was living in the macarthur park area and sometime i'll probably end up making a joke out of that story or at least talking about it in some public forum but right now, I don't feel like telling the full story because I haven't decided exactly how much of that story I want to tell. Because if you don't know my history in that particular neighborhood, that neighborhood was very much uh, MS-13 neighborhood, which MS-13 is one of the most ruthless gangs in America. And so when you're talking about stories that might have something to do with them or do have something to do with them, you really want to watch the way that you talk because people are a lot more connected in some cases than a lot of people would understand. And that's something I know just from knowing a lot of people that are in gang life. When I was younger, I jumped into a gang when I was much younger, but I can't say that I really lived gang life. I saw a lot of gang life, but Everybody knew I was a good boy when I was young. So even though they jumped me into the gang and I because like you kind of had to get jumped in in order to hang out with them. Like that's just the way that it worked. And every once in a while. I would be a getaway driver for some stuff, but never anything big, never anything, you know, like that I worry about coming back on me or anything like that, because it was all like small time stuff. But there was one guy that we hung out with. His name was Ephraim, 
And uh, that guy went haywire. And he was always my friend. He was always good to me. But he was legit, like, gang gang. Like, for real. Uh, like, and he went down a bad path. And what happened was, with him, he used to crack cars. You know, where you crack the steering column, you steal the car. And when I was young, I'd be the, like, driver because like you know he'd steal the car and then he'd drive it out to the river bottom and then we'd follow him out to the river bottom and he'd strip everything off the car that was worth anything and i know this isn't a good part of my life but it's just what happened the reality of my being young and mexican in phoenix and so um but apparently one time and this was like years after i stopped hanging out with them well not years years but at least three or four years after i stopped hanging out with them after i stopped knowing him there was a time where um he was going to steal somebody's car and the person lived in some kind of trailer mobile home park and he um the guy came out and it was like an old guy uh, well older like in his 60s or something like that and Ephraim was probably like young well late 20s probably at that point and what happened was Ephraim was a big guy and he was a pretty ruthless guy I'd seen him get in a couple fights before and he was nobody to mess with in that way but like I said he was always my friend super nice to me technically very protective of me was what he was like a lot of the guys were you know a lot of them like I said they knew I was a good boy they knew I probably wasn't going to be on the streets forever and they treated me accordingly they were very protective and very nice to me and Ephraim I'm not throwing him at all under the bus in this situation it's just the reality of the story you know and so the guy apparently had club foot, the the guy. So if you guys don't know, that's when one leg is shorter than the other and they wear the big boot. You know, they have the one platform. And the guy was barefoot because, you know, it was the middle of the night, so he didn't have his boot on. And so he came out to stop Ian, Ethan from... Um, why do I keep saying Ethan? It's Ephraim was his name. And so, because we used to call him Big Ify. Um, And so he came out to stop Ephraim from stealing his car. He was barefoot, so he didn't have his boot. So one leg was truly shorter than the other at that moment. And Ephraim apparently beat the shit out of this guy and ran him over with his own car. And then not only did he run him over with his own car, he backed over him again. And so Ephraim went to prison and has been in prison for ever now you know i think he's going to be in there for life is what the plan is turned out that guy used to write like op-eds for the arizona republic which is the you know major newspaper in phoenix i think that's the only one is the arizona republic is the major newspaper i remember there was one other but i can't remember what it was called but yeah so that's you know Kind of like a little bit of what I know with gang life. Oh, and then there was this one part. Well, there were a lot of different situations that maybe one day I'll put it all in a book, you know. But I saw a guy get cracked in his head with a bat one time. That was my friend. And then he couldn't sleep because, you know, he wasn't allowed to fall asleep because he had a hand injury. But he had just been released from prison right before that. And so... He, um, you know, was on parole and so he couldn't go to the hospital and get medical treatment. So that was kind of a scary situation because, you know, he was I used to do a joke about him where he was at a party and he wanted to fight somebody. And he was like and we were like, why do you want to fight him? His name was Ruben. And it was like, why do you want to fight him, Ruben? And he was like, he was like, because that puto smiled at me. eh?" And I was like, we're at a party. People smile at each other sometimes. It's not that big a deal. And but like it's just how ridiculous the you know, like the that mentality is when people are gang life and prison and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so some of these stories when it doesn't have to do with people that I know, because like, you know, people that know me, people that I know, like Ruben has a brother and uh, Tony. Uh, and so it, like if any of those people were to ever hear these stories, they'd just be like, oh, yeah, that's just Ty talking about an actual story from when we were younger. You know, everybody would know that I don't have any malice. But when you're talking about gangs that you weren't involved with and that you were just 
a witness of certain things that happened because you lived in a particular neighborhood, like that's where it could get a little bit dicey. And so I try to watch myself when it comes to that kind of thing, because people may think that I'm just completely <laughs> talking about things without abandon, but there are certain places where I'm like, you know what, that could turn out to be a little more trouble than you probably want to deal with. And, you know, I don't think I really talked a lot of shit about people on this particular episode. And I know that that bothers people when I don't do that. But unbothered. I can't be bothered by what bothers you guys. And I'm really in a place where I'm now far removed from everything that's happened and everything that I was mad about. And I'm just hoping everybody will be smart enough to leave me alone because uh, I don't want any problems with anybody right now. I'm just trying to live my life. And right now we're getting ready to go through monsoon season. So, you know, there was rain out when I left the gym earlier today and I posted about that on my Instagram stories and how I felt like that was a gift from God. And then I went to the grocery store and I um, was going to buy chicken breast, but then it turned out legs and thigh legs and thighs were on uh, sale for 88 cents a pound and I couldn't pass that up. So I went ahead and got some legs and some thighs and I felt like that was a gift from God. And I feel like there's so many good things happening right now that I just refuse to force myself to be in a negative space because maybe some people would think that that would make for a more entertaining episode of my podcast. And uh, like I said, I refuse to sell out even in that way where it's like, you know, when I was doing the daily videos, I knew if I talked about race, you know, or the certain things that were going on in, with race, and I talked about them from my perspective, I quickly learned that people would have a lot of reactions to it. But in a lot of those cases, I didn't feel as strongly as most people felt about me talking about them or the people that were watching me felt about them. And so it got to a point where I was like, okay, I could sit and argue with these people all day and have to deal with their ideas and them projecting onto me what it is they think that I am because I said these particular things. Or I could just be like, yeah, that doesn't really affect me like that. And so sometimes I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to deal with any kind of headaches over it. Or I don't want to have to deal with arguing with people about things that really were just a throwaway thought to me. Like that's what's gotten me in a lot of trouble when it comes to a lot of my stand up for a lot of me. Uh, excuse me for a lot of things. Uh, for me, they're just throwaway thoughts. They're not at all, you know. Um, anything that I'm married to or feel particularly convicted about. So it's like, you know, I'll talk about things and then people will get very upset with them. But when it comes to jokes and stand up, I'm not going to stop doing those things because it's like, well, then what exactly am I allowed to talk about? And how many people are, am I, am I going to allow to have that much of a say in what is I'm doing? And especially if I know what my intention it is, is, and it's not at all negative, then I don't know why it is I have to adjust what it is I'm saying or what it is I'm joking about because some people feel sensitive about a particular thing I said. I'm very careful not to bully people with my stand-up. I would never call out an individual unless I'm doing crowd work and we're having fun and then people always get that I'm having fun. But like when it comes to me talking about LGBT or trans, there's times where I see gay people and trans people in the audience and I never call them out because I don't know what the climate of that particular city is. You know, I'm just there to visit. It could be a particularly homophobic city. And now I've chosen to call somebody out that maybe didn't want their business exposed like that. And now they have to deal with that, the consequences of being the person that I called out in their town and not being able to live their life as comfortably or as freely as they would like to be. Some people would argue that in a lot of cases you can tell by looking at people that they're gay or trans and that's fine. I've I've dealt with that, you know, where sometimes I do feel like everybody could tell and then some people can tell like that's the other thing is like, yeah, I talked about a lot of people asking me if I'm uh, down low or if I'm straight, but some people can tell right off the bat that I'm gay. But I always like to be in control of whether or not I tell them and when I tell them and how I tell them because then I have more of a say in what it is they think about me in finding that out. But 
you know, so I, I go golden rule on that and I treat others as I would like to be treated. And so, you know, this is what's going on in my life right now. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, you know, you just got to do better in life. And, you know, no matter what's going on, no matter who you're dealing with, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what life is throwing at you, no matter what the weather is, whether you love monsoon like me or hate monsoon, you really, really have to remember that above all else, you absolutely must stay unbothered.